Hello and welcome, or welcome back to You Learn Something New Every Day with Chloe Vetter. I am your host, my name is Chloe, and I have a very special guest today. He is a son, he's a brother, he's a father, he's a husband, he's a friend, all the above. He's an entrepreneur. Brett Kramer, how are you doing? Oh, so happy to be here. You know, you know I've been looking forward to this for a while. I am so happy to have you. Brett's been, like, definitely number one supporter of this podcast, like, since the beginning of this podcast, well, for we, sure. We've had so many conversations, we're like, that should be a podcast. Yeah, we should have hit record multiple times, like, just because, you know? We should just always have something on whenever we get together, just in case we say something. Yeah, literally, literally. I had my, had my headphones for the microphone. Um, so, Brett, Brett and I... How would you, how do we know each other? Well, obviously we originally met back in the early cycle fit days. Mm -hmm. um, we have both watched each other grown in a variety of ways. I think we both experienced uh, uh, family change mm -hmm. um, within our families and outside of our families. and. Uh, you know, I said this a long time ago. I said to you, you know, friendship transcends transcends age. And I think mm -hmm. even though anybody who knows me and you knows there's a pretty significant age gap, mm -hmm. I don't think that has anything to do with the way people can relate. And more importantly, the way people can appreciate someone else. Right. Not only for what they're going through, but honestly for thoughts, opinions, and yeah. direction sometimes. Yeah, it definitely gives a wider perspective. Yeah. Um, it also comes into play in other things. I remember, and I thought of our relationship from an AIDS gap when I was listening to a very successful investor, and he was um, in his late 50s, and he was on a podcast with some other very successful investors who were in their 20s. And the, the young guy said to him, like, why, why are you even here? He goes, because I don't know where the world's going yeah. unless I have a relationship with you guys. Wow. And you don't know what mistakes and pitfalls to avoid mm -hmm. unless you listen to me. Right. He goes, so we help each other. Otherwise, yeah. I stay where I am, and yeah. I don't want to stay where I am. Yeah, you had talked to me about that. That, that was really interesting. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it, yeah. And hearing that from a personal standpoint, kind of validated that this is okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. And uh, once you reach a certain age, I feel like maturity, I mean, it, it varies, you know, you could have a, a 20 year old who acts like they're 50. You could have a 50 year old acting like they're 20 or heck 10 years old. Like I've met such a wide range of, of adults who have a wide range of maturity levels, but now, sometimes it's good for a 50-year-old to act like they're 20, and sometimes it's just yeah. really wrong. Yeah, yeah. There's there's the right time and the right place, definitely. Yeah, there's there's lots of different uh, factors into that. Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, so you guys, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I started out my fitness journey at this studio called CycleFit, and it'll always hold a special place in my heart. But CycleFit, um, Brett and his wife owned CycleFit and so I was working for them for like three three and a half years I'd say yeah it was coming up on coming up on four years um at least with the front desk you yeah. know like just kind of being there being a part of it um yeah. but so I 
we've definitely yeah brett met me when i was 15 and so right. he's seen me transition he's seen me go through some high highs some very low lows some in between you disappeared a few times yeah 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 but you came back i came back yeah so um yeah i mean i don't want to get too sappy but like i really appreciate brett as a human as a you know past boss now friend i i don't know he's he's helped me through a lot so i appreciate you i'm really glad you're here um and we've had some difficult conversations we have we have we have brett's seen Absolutely. me ugly cry for sure but that's okay you gotta you gotta let it out you <laughs> gotta let it out so you've seen my emotions come out yep. so hey yep. i'm not afraid of that yep um, all right, so I guess... Well, I do still have a letter you wrote to me that I keep in my back pocket, just in case I ever need it down the road. Though. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. It's a good one. That's sweet. That's cool. I Hopefully I never that. have to say, do you remember this person? <laughs> the thing is, I know what letter you're talking about. Anyway, um, so before we dive in, as you guys know on this podcast, well, if you're new here, let me just break this down. The title of this podcast is called You Learn Something New Every Day. And now it is a cliche saying, but cliches are cliches for a reason. I actually have found this to be quite a true statement. Now, if you don't think you learn something new every single day, you might not be very mindful, very aware, very present. You might just kind of be going through the motions. And that's okay. That's not... Like, people go through that. You know, I've been... I've been that person going through the motions and it's, it's hard and it's, that's why it's called a practice. You know, we practice mindfulness. So if you start to implement, you know, practicing mindfulness in your day-to-day life, you'll find that you do learn something new every single day. And it's not always the most relevant piece of information. It, you know, could be the dumbest thing. It could be something you never use, but it also could be knowledge that you do use for the rest of your life. So I don't know. Start paying attention. You know, open your eyes, especially during those those moments that we go through the motions in. You know, those things that we do every single day. Just kind of be more aware of it. So, I like to share one thing that I learned each day. Um, what I learned today, Brett sent me this podcast, this uh, Joe Rogan, and then what's the guy's name? Ben. I know him Matt's? as the, um, the knees, knees over, over toes, toes guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't even I'll remember his up. name. Okay, because that's going to bother me. But it was one of Joe Rogan's podcasts, and yeah, he had the knees over toes guy. Um, he did this episode with Joe about how important. There he is. Oh, Ben Patrick. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was like a Ben or something. Okay, yeah. Ben Patrick. So he went on Joe Rogan's podcast, and Ben is a um, personal trainer, and he. Long story short, he found that sled, not even pushing a sled, but pulling a sled did wonders for her knee, for her knees, his knees. Um, And I mean, you can listen to the podcast yourself and kind of, you know, listen to his story and how he was, you know, his knees were really bad growing up and how he's now has these wonderful knees and he's found it to be because of this sled pull that he does every single day or at least like six out of seven days a week. And so today for the first time I tried it out because Brett started doing it and he said he really liked it. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna try it. So I did it before my workout today and you know, I hadn't done that before and it was, it was cool. It was hard. I liked it a lot though. I'll definitely be continuing that, but that's something that, you know, I didn't, no firsthand yesterday and now i do so yeah yeah that's right yeah what did you learn brett 
Well, I've done something a little bit different. Um, actually, prior to coming over to this amazing podcast studio of yours, uh, I had a phone call with a good friend of mine. And I'm trying to make it quick, but for anyone who knows me, um, knows that I am sober. It'll be 10 years in July. July 5th will be That's 10 awesome. years sober. What I learned today was that it is easier to become sober later on in life than it is earlier in life. Mm -hmm. And the reason I learned that is I was talking to a friend of mine. I never went to AA, but I had you know a mentor, for lack of a better phrase. She's about the same age. She has been sober 15 years. Um, so whenever I felt that need to talk to someone, that was the phone call that I made. Um, but unfortunately, her daughter's suffering the same. Her daughter's in her late 20s, has been trying to become sober for seven years, but she has learned the system. And unfortunately, systems are there to protect people. And unfortunately, people learn how to use the system to not get where they need to be. So it's really difficult for someone younger um, to stay sober because they know after a while that, you know, if you fall off the wagon, the system's going to save you, the system's going to put a roof over your head, the system's going to feed you, and the system's going to help you find a job. Mm -hmm. And if you know that that's the worst thing to happen, did you start drinking again? It's easy to start drinking. Yeah. So, yeah. hey, anybody out there? Yeah. I'm there. I'm there. I don't yeah. preach, but I'll always listen. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I mean, I don't know her story. I don't know her situation, her background. But, I mean, you had a family as well. I feel like that also, I mean, I know you said it's, you said you learned it's easier in your 40s, but take the word easy very lightly, you know, for those listening, because I, I mean, I didn't see this journey. I didn't know you back then, but, um, I mean, I'm sure that's far, far from easy. Well, and it's, that's a good point. Any, any, any suffering of any kind of addiction is never easy. That's why it's called an addiction. Um, I mean, I was the, I was the definition of a functioning alcoholic. I mean, in fact, when I got sober and gradually close friends of mine, I confided in to let them know why I wasn't having a beer with them after the round of golf. They were like, oh my God, I never would have guessed. Wow. Well, they didn't see the closet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the closet was kept very tightly locked yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you started to, I guess, kind of, yeah, confide in those closer friends and they started to realize, was it... I don't know, like, how was it, I guess, kind of opening up that that part of your life, you know, that, that darker side of things? Well, it's interesting, and, and there's two examples um, of what happens. Now, um, when I got sober, it was my second attempt. My first attempt, I didn't drink anything for 30 days, and it was the worst thing I could have done because I said, oh, I'm not an alcoholic, I can stop whenever I want. I came back, you know, 5X. <laughs> then, it, then it really it got happens, bad. Yeah. Um, and not going into detail, basically it was my doctor at the time who said, get sober, I'm never going to talk to you again because I don't want you in my file. Wow. So that hit home. So I got sober. And uh, first memory is my parents. So we're walking together mm -hmm. and we're in a car and they know that I'm sober. Um, they're all drinking and we're going to a restaurant and I always remember... Um, my dad is in the front seat, I'm driving, my mom, my sister, and her husband in the back. 
and I hear, can hear them very, very quietly, as though I'm not there, thinking, well, can we order a bottle of wine at dinner? What should we do? Blah, blah, blah. I stop the car, I pull over, <laughs> I say, look. Tiptoeing, yeah. I'm not contagious, mm -hmm. and you're not going to bother me. Yeah. This is my problem, yeah. not yours, and I'm totally comfortable. You right. drinking has no effect on me drinking. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of like that whispering in the back, like, I'm right here. Yeah. I can hear you. Yeah. Um, but that put them at ease. Yeah. You know, they realized they didn't have to walk on eggshells, as yeah. they say, around me in those situations. Right. Now, some situations are still hard. I just don't go. Mm -hmm. Just don't go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was just gonna ask, like, when that, what, like, was it? Were you always able to be around people, like, when you got sober? Oh, or hell was no. it? Yeah, okay. Oh, the first ninety days, um, I told my doctor, I'm like, okay, you know, light bulb. We're doing it, yeah. What, what do I need to do? Um, she gave me. Um, I went out. I had two different antidepressants. Mm -hmm. um, the first one I did for thirty days, and I remember I was on a business trip and I called her. And I almost fell down an escalator because I was so dizzy from the antidepressants. Oh, wow. So I called her and I said, you got to give me something <laughs> yes. else. She gave me something else. Kind of, I don't even remember the names of them, but I wasn't dizzy anymore, mm -hmm. but I couldn't eat. I went from, when I got sober, ready for this, I was tipping the scale at 198 pounds. Wow. Six months later, I was at 145. Wow. There was not a healthy 145. Yeah. No, it was scary, like ribs sticking out. Yeah. Um, wow. And I always remember, too, she gave me eight what she called happy pills. And I said, what are these? She goes, these are the pills that you take when you're ready to end it. Mm. Wow. She said, you're, you're going to have some dark, dark moments. Mm -hmm. And when you have those, you take this pill. I had to use one, mm -hmm. and I remember when I had to use it, I pulled into a parking lot, and unfortunately I was driving, fortunately I didn't get in an accident or hurt anybody, I wasn't drunk, I was just, all that anxiety, yeah. just heart racing, sweats, just ready to, where's the bridge that I can yeah. drive off of? Yeah. Pulled in the parking lot, took the pill, within 30 seconds I was calm, wow. but my, uh, my joy is that I only had to use one of them. Yeah. And I gave him the rest of them. 90 days later, I gave him back to him. Like, I don't need yeah. them anymore. That's awesome. So, yeah. but the other one, because it kind of went sideways on that one. Mm -hmm. The other one was uh, when I'm out golfing with friends of mine who knew me really, really well. And I always remember this one guy. I'm not going to give out names, just in case he listens mm -hmm. to this one. I remember we're walking down the fairway. He goes, so, like, when you realized you were an alcoholic, like, how much were you drinking per day? I'm like, okay, this is a weird question. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, I was a functional alcoholic, so I never drank before 4 p.m., mm -hmm. but by 4.01, I had a drink in my hand, yeah. and then I pretty much drank until I passed out. So, I mean, yeah. the good thing is I just fell asleep. I never got angry or anything like that. And he goes, yeah, but how many drinks was that? I said, I don't know, anywhere from 3 to 10 every day. He goes... Yeah. Oh, thank God, I'm not an alcoholic then. Like, he was, oh my using, God. He was using me as a survivor oh to decide if he, he was, was an like, alcoholic. He's like trying to, like, you know, poke and just be like, so, yeah. like, get some information out without giving anything away. Oh my gosh. That's but the funny. positive of that is, I think, you know, if, you know, he felt comfortable asking me. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. it was a concern of his mind, 
um, I'm glad he was able to ask me and confide yeah. in me and, you know, make his own decision on where he was or wasn't personally. Right. You know, because that's always a person. No one can ever make you change. We talked about that numerous times. Mm. You've got to want to change on your own. So yeah. whatever information you need to justify making the change, yeah. do it. Find yeah. it. Get it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I agree with, yeah, if you, someone's going to make a change, they've got to want it for themselves. And if you try to force it upon someone, it, you know, it drives them away. It causes them to shut down. It causes them to really just become secretive and really just yeah. kind of, I feel like it just gets worse and it just isolates but, them in a way. Yeah, it goes to, and, and, and they do it to themselves, you know, it's, it's a, and they don't always want to. But, and I think when they reach out, they're reaching out for information. Like this guy who asked me, mm -hmm. he wasn't looking for me to then turn it around and say, well, how much are you drinking a day? And me make an opinion whether or not he had right. a problem. And it goes back to, um, you may have heard me say this before, I, I truly believe that no one ever wants to be taught. They want to be educated. Yeah. Because yeah. when you're educated, then you can make your own decisions. Exactly. But nobody wants to be told mm -hmm. what to do or yeah. how to do it. Right. Everybody wants to figure it out on their own. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you don't want to tell someone how to think about something. You want to, you know, educate them on the topic and, yeah, let them figure it out for themselves. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, so, kind of shifting topics. Oh, that wasn't our topic? <laughs> I mean, it was. It, it's Here all. We, we kind of knew it would go this way. It's all on topic. <laughs> so, I know you've had a lot going on this past week, past few weeks. Um, what? How do I? What do I want to start with? Well, you you lost someone yep. very special to you recently. Um, how are, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. You know, it comes, I lost my dad, um, passed away last Monday, a little mm -hmm. bit after two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we were there. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we'll talk about that. No, I don't want this to be about my dad. Um, cause no one likes to hear about other people's personal. They want to be able to relate and get information. Um, but the process of losing a loved one before and after, I think, can uh, be extremely valuable. Whether or not you may be of age or know someone of age where they might be going through that, but, you know, in your podcast, you talk about a lot about embracing the moment, you know, living where your feet are taking it all in. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the process that I want to share a little bit, that can be related to everyone because what happens after death should not happen just after death. It should happen every day of everybody's lives. Mm -hmm. And I'll expand on that in a minute. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, are you, are you meaning in the sense of like the appreciation? Yeah. I mean, um, the acknowledgement, you know, the recognition. 
I think the acknowledgement is a big thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, I wrote this down. So at death, some form of inheritance kicks in for everyone. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say the word inheritance, what do you immediately think of? I mean, inheriting. Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money. yeah, yeah. It's okay, it's okay yeah. to say that. <laughs> People think of that, but it's not. It's inheritance doesn't mean money. Mm -hmm. It could be for some. Yeah. It could also be you inherit death. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people pass away owing a lot of money, and that yeah. then gets transferred right. to those closest right. to them. Doesn't just disappear. Right. But for all of us, we also inherit memories. Yeah. Our own and those of others. Mm -hmm. So. As an example, you know, and you know, part of the post-death process is you meet with the funeral home, you go through whatever has been decided you're going to do, right. and the funeral home posts an obituary, mm -hmm. and then you go and share the funeral home website with your friends, family, and that, you know, depending on your network, that viral effect starts to take place. Yeah. So the obituary was posted last Wednesday. Okay. Yesterday, my sister sends me a text mm -hmm. that she went to obituary uh, page yesterday and a new thread had been added from a team. My dad was a computer scientist. He okay. wrote code. Okay. He's wow. an amazingly brilliant guy. Wow, yeah. One of the few people I know who has a PhD in mathematics and a PhD in physics. Oh, wow. Who the hell has a PhD in math? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> so he was a coder. Brains. So a thread started with a group of guys that he had worked with for the, a, lot, a, a long part of his career, other coders, mm -hmm. and they had started a thread on a, you know, an internal chat page where they all exchanged ideas, mm -hmm. and there were all these tributes to my dad. Oh, wow. And it was cool because you got to view your father from his peers' point of view and yeah. what they remembered. Yeah. And I laughed out loud. My sister laughed out loud. Um, but what's interesting is when they share their memories, they share how great and the positives and the accolades and the here's the best part about that person comes out. Mm -hmm. Why does that only come out at death? Right. Right. I think about that. I think about that a lot. And I feel like, yeah, people love to, you know, bring up the best side of them once they're gone. And I also feel like when people are around, we bring out, we bring up the worst side, you know, we bring up the, the bad stuff and there's not really a good balance there. It's kind yeah. of like one extreme or the other. Um, well, and you also think, so, like, there's two really hard parts of that exchange. Yeah. As you just talked about, it's hard for someone to think about the positives and verbalize and communicate and give someone a compliment. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, it's hard to receive a compliment. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's very hard for people to do both. Yeah, to give and receive for sure. I mean, most people, I believe, most people don't think about their strengths mm -hmm. because they, it's just, they're there. Yeah. 
Yeah. You may work on them, but they're there. Right. Most people think about what they think are their weaknesses right, right. or what's wrong with me. Right. So because that's what usually mm -hmm. you think about is, oh, I can do this better, or I could look this way, or I could whatever, and then someone pays you a compliment, most of the time we don't know how to accept that. Yeah. Like, what do you say? Yeah. Say thanks. Even even I, like, sometimes I'll get taken off guard. Yeah, if someone, like, today I was working out and this woman who I saw was in my class, she took it for the first time the other day. And she, I was like, oh, hey, like, so-and-so, how are you doing? She's like, oh, my gosh, like, I loved your class. And just kind of going on about how she thought I was a great instructor. And I, like, I said thank you, but I, I didn't know how to act. Like, it almost I almost felt, like, awkward. Like, I was like... Uh, like stop saying that but like why do we do that and like I know I'm not the only one and I mean exactly like we we focus on and we think about our weaknesses and you know yeah like quote-unquote what what's wrong and what yeah. needs fixing and what you know what can we do better and I don't know it's it's hard because I, I definitely recognize that and even when I give compliments same thing like I see when people freeze up and they're kind of like, they yeah. don't know how to respond. They don't know how to react. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting point. But so I think that's one of the things that, you know, when people pay tribute to someone when they pass, mm -hmm. stop, pay tribute while they're alive. Yeah. Cause I guarantee you, I guarantee you. Mm -hmm. And this isn't a negative. Every single one of those amazingly brilliant coders who wrote a tribute to my dad, I guarantee you, none of them said that to yeah. his face while he was alive. Yeah. They may not have even thought of it because mm -hmm. it was just natural. Yeah. Oh, here comes Marty. He's pulling on the neck of his t-shirt, which means something amazing is about to come out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. But I bet they never said, Marty, do you know that you, that you do, do this that? right before you become incredibly brilliant? Wow. I bet they never said that to him. Yeah. I bet it would have made him feel pretty good, though. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, don't wait. Yeah. You know, one of the other things is that, you know, when especially when a family member passes away, your family gets together, mm -hmm. um, and you talk about things. Um, but what happened last week was very... Um, um, I know how you describe it. It was very in, in, enlightening because I got together with my sister and her husband, me and Chris, my wife, and my mom, and you know we were together, just the five of us, very very close together, <laughs> stuck in a Michigan snowstorm, so nothing, there was nothing to do, <laughs> and it was awesome because we just talked, and we had this we had this one conversation I want to share that we talked about it had nothing to do with my dad, mm. but. It only happened because we were together because of my father passing. Mm -hmm. And we talked, somehow it got around to how many really, really, really close friends do you have? Mm -hmm. And we all went around and just said, don't name them, but how many right. people in your life today would, would you count as they are really, truly in your inner circle? Mm -hmm. And I went around and I'm like, you know what? non-family and they had to be non-family mm -hmm. members I'm like truly i had two mm -hmm. my mom had four okay. my wife had three mm -hmm. maria had three mm -hmm. and scott had one 
And then, I don't remember who it was, but I think it was my mom who then said that there are actually studies that say if you have more than four or five, I can't remember the number, they're not really truly in a circle. Yeah. If you don't have any... I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of, yeah. But the people between two and four generally, generally lived longer... Oh, wow. And lived happier. Oh, okay. Because the inner circle wasn't just about sharing good stuff. Right. The inner circle came together when... When they needed it, yeah. when it was dark, when it was bad. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what do we say? We've said that. Your true friends come out when life sucks. When, yeah. That's when you know who your friends are. Yeah. Because when you've done something great, everybody's there for you. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you've made a really big mistake or you've had something really bad happen to you, that's when your friends show up. Yeah. And the other interesting part about this, and I think this where it trans- transcends age is, so then we said, okay, of those people who are in your inner circle, how many of them did you go to grade school with, high school with? And if you went to college, how many went to college with you? I was none. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife was all of them. So I think there's no... I hear both sides. Yeah, definitely. I hear those people that are like, I don't talk to anybody from (laughs) high school, anybody from college. And then there's people that are like, oh yeah, like my best friends since kindergarten are still my best friends. And yeah, it's interesting how that works out. But um, yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree about the friend thing. I feel like, you know, it's, yeah, it's in those harder, darker moments yeah. That's when those people, you know, are shown, are known. And yeah, I, I was thinking about that too yesterday. Like when you something good happens, like everybody, everybody mm-hmm. comes out. And it's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's like on your birthday when you get texts from people that yeah. you haven't spoken to in years. And you're like, how do you even have my number? You're like, you're yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. And it's like the one day of the year that you guys talk. Well, and so that, you know, that... And that's not bad. Like, it's not it's not bad to have friends that aren't close, close to you. You know, you don't have to have... Not all of your friends need to be, like, your number one best friend, like, closest, supportive, you know. It's good to have, you know, those friends that are, you know, good for socializing or good for, you know, whatever you like to do. Like, if you have a certain hobby and you guys get along with that hobby, but that's all you really have in common, like, that's great. But um, where was I going with that? I don't even well, know. I, I think that's important, too, because, well, so take that a slightly different direction. And, uh-huh. and um, I shared this post on my with my two Instagram followers last week <laughs> um, that I... That, Someone got was like talking four. about valuable relationships, and they said, "Quit trying to get a thousand people in your network, because mm-hmm. number one, that's a waste of time. Number mm-hmm. two, it's not a valuable network. Yeah, have that inner circle, mm-hmm. but then have kind of outside that inner circle a true trusted network. Yeah, that the only purpose is you appreciate that person, mm-hmm. and if there's a way." To use that four-letter word, help, mm-hmm. help that person. Right. A, you're being genuine about it. B, that person will actually accept the help. Some mm-hmm. people don't want help from certain people, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Right. And C, you're not doing it for any other reason than to simply 
try to help that person make their life better if you think it's valuable. You're not expecting anything in return. Right. Um, So all those people who reach out once a year on your birthday, come on. Mm -hmm. You know, what what was the purpose of doing that? Right. Because I didn't, I'll just... I'll just say, I didn't get anything out of it. Yeah. If you felt good for reaching out yeah, to yeah, me yeah. once a year, that's fine. Yeah. Don't expect me to do the same thing. Right. No offense. It's, I'm not, there's right. no purpose. No, I, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a waste of, it's a waste of energy. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I definitely, this past year, I've learned a lot. I mean, I share it on this podcast a lot. I've learned a lot about preserving my energy and, yeah. you know, making sure I'm putting it into the right things because, I mean, as you know, I'm always talking about like how you can't, you can't give people your time and your energy if you're not, if you're just giving it out all the time and yeah. just kind of, you know, wasting it away and, you know, spending it on things that don't really mean much. Um, it kind of takes the meaning out of it for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Yeah. So the other part, going back to the experience, um, you know, I mentioned after my dad passed and it was just, and that was the true inner circle because, um, so my dad's last name is Kramer, mm-hmm. and the only men left with that Kramer name are my sons. Mm-hmm. So while they weren't there, it was the inner circle. It was me and my wife, my sister and her husband, and my mom. I mean, that's the tight, that, that's all that's left yeah. of the immediate family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never say we had the tightest family in the world growing mm-hmm. up. Honestly, we never, never went on a family vacation. Wow. There was not a single family vacation. But we didn't, like, you think about it, we're like, but my sister and I, like, doesn't matter. Yeah, because like... we went to cousins, we did, right. we had fun. Right. Um, we hardly ever ate dinner together because yeah. my dad had his career, my mom had her career. Right, right. Um, I remember the one time in the one time until I got married mm-hmm. that I actually talked to my dad about a girl mm-hmm. was me screaming at my dad, quit making fun of me. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh. Everybody says there's certain yeah, memories yeah, yeah. of life that mm-hmm. like shape you going forward yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they shape your communication going forward. I remember I was sitting in, I was, I was eating dinner and the phone rang mm-hmm. um, and my dad answered it. And he goes, Brett, it's a girl. I didn't pick up the phone. I ran to my yeah. room. I got mad. I cried. I'm like, don't ever do that to me again. That's so funny. So that was you? it. That was the extent of my ability to talk about my relationship yeah. with my father. It ended right there. But, um, you know, later on, um, you know, they say the apple doesn't fall far. You know, like a lot of relations, like a lot of marriages, there was a period of time where my mom and dad's marriage was very, very strained. Mm-hmm. My mom had moved away. I okay. lived with my dad. Um, you know that my wife and I have had very similar situations. Um, I say to some people, you know, I'm lucky that I've been married three times and all of them have been to the same person. Mm-hmm. We never got divorced. Right. We came close. But, yeah. And we are now closer than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, in everything, in every aspect of our life. Right. So we haven't had the perfect marriage. My parents didn't have that. Nobody has a perfect marriage. But I think for everyone, 
who has parents that understanding that your family life may not be what you want it to be, but you know what? Nobody else's is either. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nobody else's right. is either. Like who's to say that going on a family vacation every year is like what you're supposed to do or what's healthy, you know? If anything, I feel like family vacations half the time drive people crazy. It yeah. causes more stress than good. It pisses everybody off, you know, because you're all close together and, you know, the week goes by and then you guys all go home and you're <laughs> right back close together. And I remember when we'd get home when I was younger, my siblings and I, the second we'd get home, we'd all have the friends that we wanted to hang out with lined up. <laughs> we'd but we'd yeah. all be gone. Yeah. We'd yeah. be gone. You'd, you'd want to be nowhere near the house anymore. Yeah. 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 Sick of each other. Yeah. 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 And same with, you know, like family dinners and stuff. I know that my mom always really tried to push for that and again like at the end of the day I feel like when you're forcing something like that that's not natural for yeah. your family and your dynamic it just it's going to drive you guys apart further I mean it, it created more strain because you know because we were told we had to all sit down together we my siblings and I were kind of resistant towards it and we all would depending on our age you know like throw a fit or you know try to avoid it or walk away or whatever it was but yeah yeah yeah. just to I mean I'm going off on a tangent but yeah I mean who's to say what's the normal dynamic and what's not well what's interesting what you just described um with the family or a member of your family trying to force that family togetherness I think okay you know yeah there were moments when that happened but in general my family everybody's on their own I was what you may not have heard it. I don't know if they still use the term latchkey kid. So a latchkey kid. So this goes back to when I was in fourth grade. Okay. And we lived in apartments that were right behind the school. So I could walk to school. Oh, okay. So a latchkey kid at that time was when both parents worked. So no one's home during the day. Mm -hmm. So they would leave a key. Oh, okay. So that I could go home at lunch every right. day and make my own lunch. Right. So I was latchkey kid. Um, that's how non-together we were. Mm -hmm. Not only did my mom not make a lunch, I had to go home and make my own yeah, lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think what happened over that time is maybe in my mind, I was always in grade. And we may not do something together, but when something really good or something really bad happens, there's like no question. We're going. We're going to be together. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of like that inner circle of non-family best friends. There's two or four people, hopefully, that everybody has. You may only talk to that. They don't have to geographically be near you. Yeah. You may only talk to them two times a year, mm -hmm. but it's like you talked to them yesterday when you exactly, talk to them. Exactly, They yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't even have to explain, you know, yeah. whatever you need to explain. You know, they, they know. They see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of bouncing off of that. Um, what you were saying earlier made me think when, I mean, this could be in any aspect when I know you mentioned earlier how there's, you know, those people that they might not want to be helped by specific people or, you know, d depending on the dynamic of the friendship. Um, but there are, including myself, there are those people that find it very difficult to ask anybody anywhere under any circumstance for any type of help what I guess what 
I mean, what advice would you give to someone, like, just kind of in general, not even just, like, on a specific thing? If you want to make it specific to give an example, you can. But I guess kind of, like, what... I don't know. Like, what... I mean, I know you've had to ask for help before and I guess like how was that for you and was it hard for you and how did you get over that yeah so there's two sides of it